Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. Today I'm interviewing authors for the Writers Unleashed Sutherland Shire Writers Festival, and it's such a privilege to be podcasting for this wonderful festival today. A huge shout out to our organizer extraordinaire, Danuka McKenzie. I'm super excited to be chatting to Lauren Chater, author of the best selling historical novel, The Lace Weaver and the Baking Compendium Well Read Cookies, Beautiful Biscuits, inspired by great literature. She is currently working on her third novel, The Winter Dress, inspired by a real 17th century gown found off the Dutch coast in 2014, which sounds completely compelling. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. I can't believe I'm really speaking to you after all this time. I know. <laughs> our paths have never directly crossed. Yeah, but they like sort I'm... of have crossed. Yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah, Being interviewed was... by like a celebrity or something. <laughs> God, hardly. But I was so looking forward to meeting you in person. So yes, a bit, bit disappointing, but they've done a great job, the festival, in, in quickly Definitely. pivoting. Um, and even though we are online, what do you love about writers' festivals? Um, oh, the energy and uh, the just being able to, to go out, I suppose, and meet other writers. And, you know, people like yourself, you're a writer. It's, um, you know, we need that connection. I think we spend so much time by ourselves and festivals are just like a glorious celebration of the actual work, you know, that we actually, there is an actual product and it does go out there and then we get to go and talk about it. So it's just lovely. And uh, I feel very nostalgic. (laughs) (laughs) I think what COVID has taught us is that anytime that we are free and we're not locked down, go out find the joy, enjoy life, find your people, go and talk about writing and have coffees and don't be idle because there'll be, you know, that time when you, when you can't go out. So that's interesting. Yeah. Now tell me um, your book, The Lace Weaver, and you've got this beautiful book, The Winter Dress, historical fiction coming out. I want to know all about these books and what draws you to historical fiction. Yeah. So I've got, um, I've got The Lace Weaver. I've got Gulliver's Wife, which is the second one. And then I've got The Winter Dress, which is coming out in um, April next year. So I guess what drew me to historical fiction was that it was, it was kind of the thing that I loved reading the most. Um, I tried a lot of different styles before I fell into historical fiction, but it was, it was really the only thing that I wanted, I thought I could stick with for a couple of years because, you know, when you have an idea for a book, you have to live with it for quite a long time and it can get boring or it can get you know exhausting and but historical fiction is I find it endlessly compelling because history is um there's so many sides of history that are are yet to be explored and um and I just love that about it and it's kind of the scaffolding for the story is always the history um and so I love being able to go back to the research books and find out more it's quite annoying later though when when you been, when you publish the book and then you find a tidbit that you wish you'd been able to put in but that's it too it's it's a yeah. it's a lifelong learning experience and mm. I think that's why I like yeah and that's fine. with historical fiction because you can never do all the research you know in a finite amount of time so yes I think at some point true. you've just got to let that go now yes. I'm really interested with historical fiction because research is such a massive part of it so I want to know a couple of things the first thing I want to know is how do you go about it do you find the research and then do you start writing and research as you go through do you do the bulk of the research and then write what is your process does it change with each book um so I usually start with the research um I the ideas for my books have been mostly from reading nonfiction um, 
nonfiction books or articles and essays or things like that. Um, and so for me, the research always comes first and then I find the story within the research. Um, and I think you just have to read, you have to read too much almost, like you have to read, you know, everything in order to syn synthesise and funnel down the exact kind of um, story that you want to would want to tell all the story is always there I feel like as well the story is always there and you're just unearthing it and and figuring it out as as you go along and it kind of tells you so you just got to follow the breadcrumbs of the story um so yeah that's that's probably my my process and then I write a big ugly messy draft and I'm I'm a complete pantser uh, I've tried to be a plotter and it just doesn't work for me. So my process now is write big messy draft um, and then redraft and redraft and redraft, which is a lot of work and probably could save myself time not doing it that way. But it's unfortunately the only way that <laughs> I know how to do it. Yeah. Um, I think you've just got to go. You've got to go with what yeah. you want to do because if you try yeah. and push yourself into another way of writing, it's probably going to take you longer because it's not natural. Exactly. And I just find it quite boring to think, to know everything that's going to happen mm. in the story. Um, and so I like to discover things as I go along. You know, those mm. serendipitous little things that just pop up. Um, yeah. Or even as you're researching, you think, oh, that's where that connection mm. is. Um, and so it's just being open to that. Um, yeah. But always, yeah, but not procrastinating, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I think and avoiding completely. Yeah, well, but I think yeah. we touched on this just before we started recording about, you know, how we're coping in lockdown and, and trying not to resist things that we can't do anything about. And so I think, and this sort of works with that, I've been really trying to lean into things. This has been my sort of lockdown thing this time because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. quite, I'm actually struggling this time, if I'm honest. Um, and so I've been just trying to lean into things. And I think that's exactly with process you know you say oh I'd saved myself heaps of time if I was a plotter but I think leaning into who you are and to how you write is the is the best way to be in life I think I'm having this like light bulb moment <laughs> good <laughs> need a couple of those right now yeah, yeah so do you think that whole just leaning into to what the situation is and to who you are that's going to be helpful in your writing right yeah I think it, I think definitely and it gives you the confidence as well to just try because so much yeah. of it is about failing and about, you know, taking the wrong path and maybe backtracking and having to redo something or say that that isn't working. And those are all part of the process as well. And I think a lot of the time we try to skip those steps. We want us, you know, we just want to have the finished product there, but it's, you have to sit with that discomfort of not knowing whether something's working or having to redo it. Um, and that's just yeah unfortunately I think it's just part of of the creative process um is yeah you know mm. weeding out the stuff that doesn't work um and for me as as in life as well um like you I'm really struggling at the moment <laughs> with lockdown and so just trying to take it day by day and not resist so much and just lean into it um and do the small things that we can and that's the same with writing as well you know uh, you can't I think at some point in every writing session that I have I, I have to accept that I'm not going to be able to finish the book <laughs> today <laughs> you know like it's not going to happen today um it may happen in 200 days time um and that's part of it as well it's the, there's this part of me that just wants to be done with it and it's just not going to be done in yeah. time so I just do the best that I can that day and, yeah absolutely yeah. because there's I guess there's a sense of impatience and you tell me but maybe more yes. so when there's so much research involved because before you can even really get to the crux of the story you have to do all this research so I guess there's that sense of impatience sometimes yeah yeah 
you just want to be you want to and the the research you can always tell if it's too much you know if you're it has to connect to the character or it has to connect in some way to the story that's that needs to be told it can't just be float free floating around in the story and uh and yeah yeah you know yeah, you know yeah, when, yeah, when yeah, yeah. Are, what do they call yeah. it the info dump you know yeah, yeah. so just because you you've learned a cool fact doesn't mean yes. it can necessarily be in the novel <laughs> be in the novel yeah um and so don't info dump <laughs> um so that's my my lesson and something mm. i'm still working on as well i like that now has there been anything in your research over the, the three books that has really surprised you or made you think oh wow like i didn't know that or you know given you some sort of light bulb moment um, it was probably when I was, I mean, there's been so many things because I I just find it really fascinating. History is um, endlessly fascinating. But I think when I was writing um, Gulliver's Wife, um, learning about the midwives of the 17th century, that was really um, interesting. My mum's a midwife and um, to learn the history of that profession and um, how they continually looked after the community and they've always kind of been in the background and they're they're the bringers of life, you know, and they they help babies into the world, and then they look after the mothers, and they're the carers, um, and they a lot of the times go unacknowledged. Um, so to learn about the history and uh, to discover that there were there was a sort of unofficial guild of midwives, and uh, they all supported each other, and there was sort of a network of women working together. I just thought that was amazing. Mm, I'd never, I never that too. Yeah, I'd never heard about that or, or read about it. Um, yeah. So I found that very comforting and inspiring I suppose. Mm, that sounds really interesting it must have been very interesting too having a mother as a midwife and then looking at you know how medicine or beliefs in medicine would have changed like that must have been pretty shocking as well at some point yeah yeah until the um 17th century there were no um English manuals written by women because it was all uh men you know it was all surgeons and they had actually a lot of them never seen a birth so because they weren't allowed into the birthing <laughs> wow. chamber so they were just writing secondhand accounts of what they thought might wow. happen. Let me write what, about something I've never yeah. seen or experienced. I know, but it was such a guy thing to do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was such a learned man thing to do in the 17th century. Um, and they were just writing accounts of what their sisters had told them or their wives. Um, so when I, I went to read um, Jane Sharp's um, midwifery manual, it's completely different to mm. the one that the, the ones that the men had written because she knew she was aware of um female anatomy and yeah. what yeah and what things look like when they were in, in works and that kind of thing so what, was, what yeah. were the main differences was it that sort of medical way or was it also like a, a personal experience as well because I think it was I, both. I, I, love, yeah, I, think, I love a good birth yeah. story Lauren I love oh yeah I know me too <laughs> A war story, as I thought. Yeah, totally. Give, give everyone's me the got a, Yeah, everyone's got a birth story. Um, <laughs> it was mainly, I think, the language as well. Like she used a lot of, they, they were very clinical in their language and she used a lot of um, illustrations. So she had someone do um, these diagrams and it looks like the baby is in this sort of, uh, the placenta's opened out and it looks like a cauliflower or like a little lettuce or something in there. And so even that, her approach to, birth being this sort of organic or connected to nature that I just thought that was really interesting as well um, I love that I love yeah. that so much mm. yeah, interesting because you know you can hear birth stories and until you <laughs> sort of experience it yourself you're like oh wow yeah yeah kind of, <laughs> I read all the books still didn't expect that <laughs> yeah exactly and and I think that that was the, the 
thing about midwifery that I had didn't really appreciate my mum mm. until I had my kids. And then I was yeah. like, oh, all right. Is, yeah, this is why <laughs> midwives are so important. Absolutely. And that connection to nature, it is so true. You know, that is yeah. so, so, such, such a part of the experience, I think. Yes, it's not this medical um, procedure, which is how the mm. surgeons would have seen it, um, mm. you know. Uh, I mean, that so certainly has its place yeah. in it and we're very lucky to have all of that. But, yes. yeah, it's such a going back to sort of base um, experience. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love how we've just gone down this tangent. I love I love throwing away my <laughs> questions. I do. I spent all Sorry. night. No, I love it. It's my favourite thing. I, I have these questions because if I don't, I have anxiety about not having questions. And then I'm uh, like, this is the best thing when I don't use any of them. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> how has your process changed over the years? I mean, I know you said you're a, you're a pantser, you can't plot, you do the research, but is that the same for every book or is there slight differences between the three? Um, I think I've gotten better at working out what is uh, really terrible in my life. <laughs> I mean, not, not that it's fantastic, it's all fantastic, but it's. I think I've just become quicker about working out what doesn't need to be there, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're just waffling. And sometimes waffling is important in draft because you just kind of need to get to the next point, the next stage that you know yep. what's going to happen there and then you'll have to go back and fix it up later. Um but when I re- redraft and edit, I think I've become better at editing my own work. And I think that's such an important part of the writing process as well as a, a you know, as you grow as a writer. Um, I usually print out now between edits, I print out the whole manuscript. I get it printed at Officeworks and then I get it sent to me and I go through it with a pen and just line by line go through it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't just skip reading because I'm busy or something like that you know it's really important isn't it to to make sure that every word is perfect and everything that's in there needs to be there so yeah that's definitely changed um I I have I still don't I'm not a huge fan of getting people to read my work I think that there are points in the um, process where that's really helpful but then sometimes there are points where you actually need to do the work you need to work out the story you know and you can't always be guided by someone else's vision of the work um, especially when you're working with editors you know because there's always going to be that push and pull that compromise like what they want and what you want and it has to meet in the middle um, and so yeah so this one I, I had a couple of I had a couple of good friends read it um, so that was helpful, um, but at different stages. So nobody's read it since this last structural. So, but I've got a friend lined up to, to read it now. So that's something that's changed too. Because at the start, I didn't, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, yeah. I'm really interested in the book coming out very soon, the winter dress. Can you tell me about this? You know, it's a, a 17th century gown found off the Dutch coast in 2014. What fascinated you about that? I'm assuming the owner of the gown and the history yes. of the gown. Yeah, so um, my ex-publisher and I were sitting around and we were talking about articles and essays and interesting sides of history and then she was telling me about this dress, uh, this silk dress that had been found because I'm quite interested in textiles and the history of textiles. Um, and we looked it up and it was just this extraordinary um, silk gown um, that uh, it was amazingly being preserved. So nothing like wow. that has ever been found in water. So it's, it was down there for 300 years and these amateur divers brought it up. They Amazing. didn't know what it was. They uh, hosed it down because they didn't know and hung it up on a, 
coat hanger in their bathroom of their clubhouse. And the lady um, who runs the local museum, she happened to walk in and see it at a barbecue. And she was like, that is an amazing artifact kind of a find. Um, They've been diving for many years, those guys, and they often pull up bits and pieces, pottery. They have like a million clay pipes that they gave me. (laughs) They've just got heaps, 17th century pipes, you know, as you do. Um, And so that, yeah, that was really the, the inspiration for the story. And then I wanted to know who wore the dress. So I contacted the um, the researchers there and the divers and I went over in 2019 to, to do the research. Wow. Um, got a grant, which was very nice, um, from the Neilma Literary um, Fund. And, um, yeah, met with them and then they we went through it and then I actually got to see the dress, which was pretty amazing. Wow. This little uh, archaeological facility on the mainland where it's been there for um, a couple of years now and but they're hoping that it will go back to Texel in 2022, so next year it will be there. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so they've just been conserving it and um, studying it basically. Mm, wow, yeah. that's very exciting. I'm very yeah. excited to uh, get my hands on that. Now, Lauren, a question I ask all my guests uh, before I let them leave is, uh, why do you write? Why do I write? Because I have to. <laughs> because my life would be completely bland without it and grey. And um, even though it's extremely hard to write, um, I'm sure you know as a writer yourself that it's it's a compulsion. And to deny the compulsion of what you need, to, you know, what your creative spirit says that you need to do in order to be fulfilled um is 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 kind of an existential death and especially now um you know I think we we need artists more than ever and we need books and we need poems and music to get us through these difficult times so um so to me it's it's actually given me a lot of a a lot more appreciation of other people's art as well I think and so it's all connected it's really nice um universal kind of circle of Mm, I love that connection and leaning into it, leaning into all of those things. So yes. I love that. And leaning into those compulsions. So I love that, which sort of, you know, finishes this interview very nicely because we've talked about all those things about um, yeah. just accepting and not resisting, which is easier said than done, but it's something it seems that we're both working on. So definitely. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat to you. And um, I know that when this is all over, we'll have to get together in person, in Definitely. real life, and uh, <laughs> do all that leaning in together and have lots yes. of lots of hot chocolates and stuff. Sounds like. great. <laughs> thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.